All right, welcome everyone to the Citizen's Guide. Thank you for joining us this week. We've got um, a really busy show today. So Connor and I are gonna look at some polling that has come out on the presidential race and also a few Senate races that are competitive. Uh, we're gonna look at uh, President Trump's release of some new names that he would consider uh, appointing to the Supreme Court. We're going to revisit a new story about our good friend, the Postmaster General. We're going to give an update on the uh, spreading wildfires in the western part of the United States. We're going to discuss some of the controversy surrounding Disney's release of the live action version of Mulan. Connor, you're going to give us some updates on some COVID-19 vaccine trials, so maybe some good news there. And then finally, we'll finish up with our two weekly segments um, that we hope you enjoy. <laughs> um, so first thing first, Connor, some new polling came out. Uh, Biden versus Trump from the New York Times and Siena College, uh, just four states. Biden is up nine in Minnesota, four in Nevada, three in New Hampshire, and five in Wisconsin. Um, each of these states voted for Clinton in 2016, except for Wisconsin, which voted for Donald Trump by a very slim margin. Um, but the president has viewed Minnesota, New Hampshire, and Nevada as flippable states. Um, but this data this data suggests otherwise. What do you make of these poll numbers? Like we discussed last week, I think it shows that people, a majority of people know who they're gonna vote for. And right now that's Joe Biden. And despite the law and order attacks, despite all just the chaos, most people still see Biden as most capable to handle the situations our country face. So I'm not surprised, but, I'm a little worried that they haven't increased more. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I'm very happy with the Minnesota number up by nine in that state is really good um, because Minnesota actually has like a really large number of voters that on paper are Trump voters, but they just happen um, to be Democrats in Minnesota. So that's promising. Um, a few notes about some of these states. So in Wisconsin, um, the Washington Post is reporting that there's some ongoing kind of controversy about whether or not the Green Party will make it on the ballot. Of course, in 2016, the Green Party was on the ballot in a lot of states. And uh, for many of us, uh, where it was kind of the spoiler in the election. Um, but so right now, the Green Party is like fi is filing uh, with the state Supreme Court to get on the ballot. Um, the problem is that like the vice presidential candidate on the ticket used two different addresses on some signature petitions. Um, so like, it seems like they're not going to make it on the ballot, which, you know, I, we no might have shed here. Yeah. I'm, I, for one in this election, I'm not really concerned about whether the green party's on the ballot. Um, and that's, that's not me being pessimistic about like a progressive party. That's me wondering why the green party accepts help from Republicans. Uh, in these legal fights, I don't think I don't think they're operating in good faith in the American political system, and that that's where my pessimism on it comes from. <laughs> so that, but that could that could kind of shake up the race in Wisconsin a little bit if they end up on the ballot. We would probably see um, Joe Biden's margin slim a little bit, and when you're only up by five, you don't really want to get any more slim. <laughs> so, do you have do you have any thoughts about the Green Party in Wisconsin? <laughs> nope. And I think that's okay, because it's the <laughs> Green Party in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, some other states, 
Um, so North Carolina, of course, we talked about uh, that several weeks ago, a very competitive Senate race. Um, recent polling shows incumbent Senator Tom Tillis trailing his challenger, Cal Cunningham, by anywhere from three to 10 points, just depending on which poll you look at. Hopefully he's more towards the 10 than he is the three. Um, Biden also seems to be doing well in the state, but probably with a tighter margin. And like we talked about the last time a Democrat won, Barack Obama by just like a few thousand votes. So North Carolina is probably going to end up being really tight. Um, but then really good news for the incumbent Democratic governor of the state, Roy Cooper. He is leading his opponent by double digits. So it looks like, at least in the governor's mansion in North Carolina, it'll, it'll stay blue. Um, and then one more for me, in Arizona, in the most recent Fox News poll, uh, Democrat Mark Kelly leads incumbent Senator Martha McSally by 17 points, um, which is pretty crazy. Uh, do you have Not enough people... About- not enough people were fasting for Martha <laughs> McSally and you know right right yeah for listeners who didn't didn't catch that bit of news I think it was a couple weeks ago but Martha McSally suggested that her supporters skip a meal and donate that money to her political campaign um if I were 17 points down my first go-to probably wouldn't be to ask people to stop eating um that doesn't seem like a popular policy position. Uh, do you have any, what, what do you think about North Carolina and Arizona? How, how are you feeling about those, Connor? I mean, I'm feeling good because I'm in the lead, but also hesitant because it's, it's so tight. And it's, everything is so dependent on the post office working correctly, early voting working correctly. There's so many minute details that have to work in order for people to be able to access their ballot and be able to turn it in on time and to even have the ballot counted. So like, I'm very happy with these polls, but again, it doesn't matter until election day. Yeah, that's a great point. And North Carolina, I know, has actually already started receiving mail-in ballots. Um, So people that are actively voting, um, which is like very nerve wracking, but the numbers look really good so far on like turnout. So between now and November, We'll get to talk about that every week. Uh, maybe we can have some numbers next week about how many ballots have been turned in and whether or not that's like normal or, you know, we can give some more context for that. Um, and then I just had a few more, like, not really polls, but like data I wanted to share. And all of this is from 538, which is like a, they do a lot of modeling for presidential elections. Um, so according to their model, Joe Biden has a 76% chance of winning. Uh, with Donald Trump having a 24% chance, which that is very scary to me. I don't know about you, Connor. Um, Donald Trump having a one in four chance does not make me want to sleep well at night. Um, And then just a few more like kind of fun, I guess, statistics about this. Um, There is a five in 100 chance that the election will hinge on a recount vote in one or more states. Um, There's an 11 in 100 chance that Biden wins the popular vote but loses the Electoral College, as Hillary Clinton did. There's a 13 in 100 chance that Trump wins the popular vote, so very unlikely. Uh, And then there's an 87 in 100 chance that Biden wins the popular vote. And if if you just think about all those statistics, I think it's really interesting that our political system works the way it does. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about any of those numbers? I remember sitting senior? No. I don't know. 
sometimes I was in high school, I was sitting in the library, I was looking at the 538 website and it had Hillary Clinton winning by 90%. And I was like, wow, <laughs> they can tell this. And like, what are the odds? Like 90% someone wins. And it seemed yeah. almost too good to be true. And it turns out it was. It was, yeah. So again, hesitant, but I don't, yeah, just just worried. But I know they've corrected models and algorithms for based on turnout from 2016 and now they have more data based off based off the 2016 turnout and 2018 turnout so i'm not as skeptical as i was right after the 2016 race about what the numbers propose but i a healthy skepticism is what i have yeah. yeah i think that's smart for everyone just to be realistic about what could happen um of course, on, on like 538's website, there's like a little like reminder attached to each one of these that like none of this data is perfect and that there can always be surprises. So there's also like a, I think like a 30 in 100 chance it said of Biden winning in what they call like a landslide, which would be winning the popular vote by double digits. So like that's not out of the, so based on their modeling, actually, it's more likely that Biden wins in a landslide than Trump wins at all. Or. But I'm not ready. I'm not ready to just. I don't. I don't need a landslide. I just need to win. <laughs> yeah, we just need 270. Um, gosh. Um, and then last bit of news on this: um, Michael Bloomberg has announced that he plans to spend 100 million dollars in the state of Florida. And Florida is notoriously expensive in terms of media markets because of just the geographic layout of the state and kind of this central nature of like Orlando, Miami, like the big cities where you have to spend a ton of money to get on the air. Um, so good for Mike Bloomberg. Um, Looks I mean, like the DNC finally asked him to pay it up for his spot yeah, at the convention. To me, it feels like the least he can do. 100 million seems a little shabby to me. I think he promised 500, but any anything helps. So yep. do you have any thoughts about Mike Bloomberg doing no. this? I know we have I, thoughts. <laughs> I think it's important that he's doing something like he pledged he would after he lost the nomination. Um, and I think Florida is the best place for him to do that, especially after the recent polls showing Joe Biden lacking some of the support Hillary Clinton had among Hispanics and black voters. So yeah, any little bit helps. I'm glad he finally paid up. So, and again, I think Florida is important because if Donald Trump loses Florida, the odds of him winning the electoral college are almost zero. Yes. So yes. it all hinges on as every election does Florida and I don't just some random States that don't really make up <laughs> the United States looks like, but I think the electoral college is for another episode. Yeah. But important to remember that Trump winning Florida is not game over for Biden. I no. think, on election night, I would prefer to see Biden win Florida, but yes. it's not necessary to the coalition of states that he needs. No. Just based on like my view of the map. But it would be just, everyone would breathe easier if he lost Florida. Yes, yes. And I, it's yes. important to note that recent trends, um, the senator, they had a Senate race in 2018 and the governor's race in 2018, and both of them were lost by very slim margins. Mm -hmm by the Democrats, uh, Andrew Gillum for governor and Nelson. Yes. For Senate, Bill Nelson for Senate to Rick Scott. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. That, no, that's a good point. Florida, notoriously um, volatile. People mm-hmm. who were alive in 2000 um, are aware that Florida is so interesting in our system and just holds a special place in all of our hearts. Um, okay. Well, that's, that's all I want to talk about polling. And none of this is to make like listeners feel like, like really excited or like really down. It's just like, once again, to give like a snapshot in time of what's happening. I think it's important to like kind of see where you are, but like don't get complacent, but also like don't get like super sad about any of it. Um, so next okay. we're talk about the really exciting list of names that Donald yes. Trump released. So this week, President Trump updated his Supreme Court nominee names to include Senators Ted Cruz of Texas, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, and Josh Hawley of Missouri. President Trump and his campaign believe issuing the similar list in 2016 was a critical strategy in preserving and exciting conservative support. So it's not unusual for a senator to be nominated to the Supreme Court, but it hasn't happened in the last half century. Um, Additionally, before announcing these senators, Trump referenced three previous names as current frontrunners to fill in a vacancy, one of them being Amy Barrett, judge of the United States Court of Appeals of the Second Circuit. Seventh Circuit, and she was a graduate of Rhodes College. A little fun fact. Um, but just so if people don't know who these these esteemed senators are, Ted Cruz, his fellow Republican senator said, uh, fellow Republican senator uh, Lindsey Graham said, "If you killed Ted Cruz on the floor of the Senate and the trial was in the Senate, nobody would convict you." John <laughs> McCain once killed called Cruz a wacko bird on the Senate floor. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner called Senator Ted Cruz Lucifer in the flesh. (laughs) Um, Tom Cotton advocated for deploying U.S. military against U.S. citizens. Josh Hawley is probably most famous for getting in Twitter feuds with the NBA and NFL over protesters. So just real luminaries to be placing on the Supreme Court. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, I think... I think each one of those individuals would be incredibly detrimental to the nature of the court. Also, Amy, Amy Barrett, you know, I'm a big Rhodes fan, mm-hmm. you know, Roe Links, but I don't want her on the court. I think that would be bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, some of the stuff that I saw when I was looking at this is a lot of LGBTQ plus organizations were very alarmed by the list of names because he also, um, released some names of some, like you said, some sitting judges on the federal bench. And so here's a quote from the legal director for Lambda Legal. He said, quote, this list is teeming with individuals who have alarming anti-LGBTQ and anti-civil rights records, which should be disqualifying for any judicial nominee, let alone a nominee for the Supreme Court, um, characterized the list as dangerous, ultra-conservative ideologues. And it's not so. <laughs> out of the blue to believe like, like, like we live in a society in a, in a reality now where Ted Cruz could be a judge on the Supreme Court, and like people who say that might be like extreme. Like Jeff Sessions was like nominated and confirmed to be Attorney General when Martin Luther King's wife and daughter wrote a letter saying he was a racist, and so like to anyone who believes that like these names are just for show either the senators or the like extreme judges like it's not anything is possible with a radicalized um majority in the senate 
So again, if you need another reason not to vote for Trump and to vote for Joe Biden, this would be one of them. Yeah. And also, let's not forget that during the 2016 campaign, Donald Trump suggested that Ted Cruz's father was involved in the assassination of President Kennedy mm-hmm. and called his wife ugly, which is like petty, but like, yeah. I, the political transformation of Ted Cruz in the last four years is very interesting to say the least, and I'm sure <laughs> involves a lot of interesting discussions at the dinner table from his mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but so some of the things that the president says he's looking for that I find both interesting and alarming is he's looking for commitments to protect life, protect religious liberty, protect the second amendment and protect our borders. So what he's looking for is a justice who will vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. He's looking for someone who will guarantee that religious organizations continue getting tax breaks and uh, treatment from the government. He's looking for justices that will uh, strike down any kind of gun legislation coming out of Congress or coming out of individual states. Um, and he's looking for a justice that will allow him to continue detaining children on the southern border. He's not, look, I mean, these, these are the values that he's looking for. So you can make your own judgment about. It's almost like that he's he, looking for someone to legislate from the bench, which <laughs> they're so worried about. Right. Right. Well, oftentimes the most conservative justices are the most activist judges. So um, it's very interesting. And we should note there are no vacancies on the court right now. Um, Justice Ginsburg is, is very old. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully when Joe Biden, if Joe Biden wins, she can retire because she deserves it. Um, but fingers crossed the court doesn't have any vacancies between now and January. And I think it'd be an interesting, well, I think we all know how it would end. If there was a vacancy, I doubt Mitch McConnell would uphold his rule he had last election where he refused to even hold a hearing for Merrick Garland after Justice Scalia passed because it was an election year. I would not hold our breath that that would happen this year. So just another another example of hypocrisy, I would say. Yes. Yeah, he'd fill it within probably two weeks of the vacancy. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, well, huh, that's a chilling, a chilling segment because, you know, as listeners know, the Supreme Court, it's a lifetime appointment. So if you appoint someone, like Ted Cruz, I don't know how old he is. He's comparatively young. Um, and I mean, he'd spend, you know, 40 years on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Okay, <laughs> so next we get to revisit our good friend, the Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, Um, He's gotten himself into a little bit of trouble again. Um, Previously, he was hauled in front of Congress to answer questions about why the mail was running so slowly and why he was removing sorting machines from big cities and things like that. If you don't remember, go back to the episode, um, Too Big to Mail. Um, But now he's under fire for stuff he did when he was working in the private sector. So he is being accused by former employees to donate to Republican candidates uh, in return for compensation via larger bonuses. So this is obviously a violation of both North Carolina and federal election laws. The company that he ran was based in North Carolina. It's called a straw donor scheme. Um, But DeJoy retired from that job in 2015. But luckily, North Carolina does not have a statute of limitations on felonies, including campaign finance violations. So DeJoy could honestly find himself um, in quite a bit of trouble for this. Um, gosh, there's, there's a lot to go with this story. Um, but the, 
the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, which is an, like an advocacy watchdog group, has called for, quote, immediate investigation and enforcement action against DeJoy, XBO Logistics, which bought DeJoy's company, and the campaign of Senator Tom Tillis, which supposedly benefited from the scheme. So once again, just something else to make North Carolina a very interesting state for this scandal to come out um, so close to the election. Um, the chairwoman of the House Oversight Committee, Carolyn Maloney of New York, has announced uh, that she will be opening an investigation into the alleged fi uh, campaign finance violations. Um, Connor, what, what, do, what do you think about this? This just so is icing on the cake. But I think I just need to like record myself saying the same thing is like, who's surprised that people close to the president are involved in criminal schemes to hold and maintain power? Um, just like Steve Bannon, now Louis Louis DeJoy. Of course, of course, like of course, someone involved in just Trump politics is involved with voter and just like like of course. I don't I don't know. I can't I can't have surprise or shock other than that he got caught. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so just a, just a quote from the executive director of the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. He said, quote, by utilizing straw donors to join his company, we're able to make excessive contributions, use illegal campaign funds to make donations, and conceal these activities and the true sources of the contributions from the public in violation of the law. The FEC needs to thoroughly investigate this. One problem is the FEC has... Uh, I think one or more vacancies right now and therefore basically can't make any decisions um, because the president has hamstrung it. Uh, so this is really going to fall to North Carolina and the attorney general there who has suggested that they might uh, look into investigating this, which like, thank goodness. And like, um, not even like they should, like it's a crime. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, shouldn't be a crime. It should be like, yeah. like, like when like, are you going to start the investigation tomorrow? Is this seems it's something that can be proved. All you have to do is go back and look at who, you know, who donates to public, to po political campaigns as public information mm -hmm. and who they worked for. And then you just go look at payroll and see what their bonus looked like. I, it's, it's not, it's not a, a rocket, it's not rocket science to figure this out. <laughs> um, a little bit of adjacent news to this that has been developing like late last night and then early this morning is the Secretary of State from Colorado, Jenna Griswold, has filed a complaint in, in the U.S. District Court alleging that, quote, the United States Postal Service intends to mail an official notice to all Colorado voters that provides false statements about voting in Colorado. These false statements will disenfranchise Colorado voters, including its uniformed military and overseas voters, mislead them about Colorado's election procedures, infringe Colorado's constitutional rights to conduct its elections, and interfere with the Secretary of State's ability to oversee Colorado elections. These false statements will confuse Colorado voters, likely causing otherwise eligible voters to wrongly believe that they may not participate in the upcoming election. This attempt at voter suppression violates the United States Constitution constitution and federal statutes and must be stopped immediately. Sorry that was so long. Basically what this story is about is the post office put together this like very general card about voting and they didn't tailor it state by state. So it basically says like if you're going to vote by mail do it early like request your ballot early but the problem is several states like Colorado 
already send a ballot to registered voters so you don't have to request one so this could obviously cause a lot of confusion like is the voter gonna think like the ballot they're sent is fake because they didn't request it or do they think they need to somehow request one like there's a lot there's a lot wrong with the post office doing this like general one size fits all rather than consulting with the secretary of state for each state and figuring out a good message to send to those voters um, but the good news is uh, a judge from that district court has issued a temporary restraining order. Um, but the problem is the cards have already been put in the mail. Um, so this is this is causing uh, a big headache for election officials in Colorado, where the presidential race will probably not be so competitive. But there is a Senate race that's rather important um, with John Hick Hickenlooper, the former governor, running to unseat Republican Cory Gardner. Um, so what what do you think about all of this, Connor? <laughs> Again, who is surprised that manipulating voter by mail is coming from Louis DeJoy, the U.S. Postmaster General, who has just been completely incompetent at his posting a trend in Trump-appointed officials? Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's no, like, deeper understanding, deeper analysis, because, like, they're so dumb in doing their job that like it's all there like there's no like secret like there's no excuse they could have besides wanting to throw chaos into the election system right that's a good point i i think louis DeJoy is once again just a bad faith actor in our political system and is in way over his head at his job um, this should make, I really hope that like, we can see the connection between like, like this could happen in our state. Like Tennessee makes it very hard to vote anyway, makes it really hard to vote by mail. But like this disinformation coming from official sources should really bother people. We, like, our government should be a place where we find the truth and we talk about facts, not, not the post office trying to mess up an election. I mean, it just, it, it's not good. Um, DeJoy, I hope, is investigated by every possible body in Congress or, you know, prosecutor possible. Um, this is, this is way out of hand and it's something, something will have to give. And it, it, I hope it makes people, you know, realize that it matters who fills these very bureaucratic positions. I, you know, maybe you can't, I can't name who Barack Obama's postmaster general was um, because, you know, when Barack Obama was president, the mail ran well, and, you know. Nobody had any questions. Nobody had any questions. That's right. Um, okay, so moving on from our good friend, Louis, Louis DeJoy. I'm sure we'll visit him again one day soon. Um, okay, so now, Connor, I want to talk about the wildfires that are burning across the western United States. Um, so there's currently, like, dozens of fires that are burning through communities, uh, they have left 33 people dead, uh, but authorities in uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Idaho fear that there are dozens of people missing and unaccounted for, so that number will probably go up, sadly. Um, of the people killed since the, some of the fires broke out in mid-August, 22 have been in California, many of them very recently, uh, 10 people killed in Oregon, and one child was killed in Washington State. Um, these fires are abnormally large and abnormally dangerous this year because of weather conditions that have facilitated uh, the fires to spread quickly. Um, low humidity, high temperatures, um, not a good recipe. 
Um, additionally, Trev. additionally, the smoke from these fires is making the air quality across the West um, really, really bad, uh, which the federal government says can irritate your lungs and cause inflammation, uh, which affects your immune system, which makes you more susceptible to lung infections, such as coronavirus. So it's, it's just really tough news out of, out of the Western states. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the wildfires? I mean, obviously this is the result of climate change. Mm -hmm. um, and, and extravagant gender reveal parties. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Yeah. Some of the fires were started by like fireworks, colored fireworks for gender reveal parties. So just, just buy a cake. Yeah. If you're going to do it, buy a cake. Or just like not do it, you know, just, yeah, right. just tell people, just yeah. normal, yeah. call them. An another episode. We'll dedicate yeah. an episode to the concept but, of a gender re reveal party. Like it's not, these aren't like solo events based on so like, the cause of the fire but the conditions as like as you said are a result of climate change and like again that's not a political statement that's just that's science. science yeah yeah um on that note i was talking to my sister brooke shout out brooke if you're listening um she's a phd student at the university of california and so she she has worked with like modeling for wildfires and how it affects um like different species of plants and animals um she says that just based on her own like study like her own education it's like obviously climate change and it's also um will become increasingly common as human as like we develop closer and closer to wild land so we also kind of see this with coronavirus where our interactions with wild species kind of facilitated this pandemic um, and just in a similar way the the bigger we spread out the bigger our cities get um, and the the less wild land there is um, the worse these wildfires are going to get um, because you know the nature can kind of rehabilitate itself but a, yeah. a city is not um, built to handle this kind of thing obviously we um, are the so, virus that's right so this is yeah like once again very like my heart goes out to people who are like losing property and their homes in the West. Um, like vote for political candidates who are willing to fight climate change. And that that's a critique of, of both parties. I think um, obviously like I think Democrats are better on climate change, but like I know Gavin Newsom, the governor of California visited um, a site that had been burned. And then I find out that he's signed permits for like, 14 or 15 different fracking projects since April. So it's, you just really, it's really time to wake up and, and say, okay, like we are going to do something about climate change. And, and this concept of like, well, it's up to each individual is not true. Um, no, please, me, re like, me recycling isn't going to stop wildfires. My soul exactly, recycling exactly. is not, not going to stop wildfires it's not going to stop flooding it's not going to stop hurricanes yeah yeah and that and that's not to say like you shouldn't be like no environmentally responsible in your day-to-day -day life but hold your government accountable because at the end of the day the government is the only entity that can regulate big businesses and corporations that are poisoning our planet um so just like remember that the next time you're voting or you know considering a, a political candidate because this stuff is happening now people are suffering from it and people will continue to suffer from it. Um.
and and it's not even like we do something about climate change and it stops like our our best thing we can do now is mitigate the effects it's not like we can go back to um, how things were uh, that that opportunity has passed um okay this Connor, is, this is baseline wanna... of where we are like this is the new normal right yeah exactly um okay do you want to talk, Connor, yes. about Disney's Mulan? Yeah. yeah. So I haven't paid the $30 to watch it, but Disney is facing renewed scrutiny over a live-action Mulan movie. This is due to the final credits of the film, thanking propaganda departments in the Xinjiang province and the Public Security Bureau of Turpan City, among six other government agencies in the region. If Xinjiang sounds familiar, it's because the Uyghur Muslim minority has been tamed detained in mass re-education slash internment camps. Behind the scenes, Disney went beyond the normal practice of just sharing uh, the, their script with Chinese officials, but consulted with them to make sure the film was a success in the country. Uh, it stood by their main actors when they expressed support for Beijing and the police during the Hong Kong riots. So this isn't controversy for this film and appeasing the Chinese government is not new, but all of this seems to be Disney course correcting for their first animated Mulan movie, which bombed in China, a result of Disney backing the 1990 film Kundu, a film seen as sympathetic to the Dalai Lama by the uh, CCP. So uh, this all takes place in the larger backdrop of American entities like Hollywood and the NBA censoring themselves in order to gain access to the Chinese market. What do you think? Yeah, so I think this is going to be a problem that we see more and more. And this is just kind of the biggest example recently, because China is on track to be the biggest box office market, um, which will overtake the United States and Canada. Um, so if American companies want to make money, they're going to have to show their movies in China. Um, once again, like, very disappointing to see Disney, like, like, thank the government that's interning Uyghur Muslims. Um, to talk a little bit more about that, like you said, the Uyghurs are an ethnic and religious minority in China. And uh, Xinjiang, I believe, is in like the far west of China. Um, so very like geographically removed from Beijing. Um, but this, like, this has been going on for a while, this internment and the international community just doesn't have like a ton of leverage with China, primarily because our economic system is so reliant on buying goods from China and selling goods to China. So you can't, it's economically infeasible to do something substantive about it, but people need to be aware of what's happening. And when you consider how you spend your money, and I'm not calling for like a boycott of Disney, um, but just, I just think American companies have to do better. I think, I think China wants Disney movies to be shown in China. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think something better could have been done about it. Um, but like I said, we're going to see more and more of this as the China, China market grows. Um, so it, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how American companies react because yeah. uh, it's not really sustainable to keep like thanking the Chinese government for their good grace in allowing you to film a few like natural scenes, which most of, most of the movie was produced in New Zealand anyway. Yeah. Um, they just did some of the natural scenes in China to kind of remind us that that's the setting. Um, just oversight, like don't, don't choose Xinjiang. Like, 
someone had to know. Someone had to know. Yes, it, it seems hard in a in an organization as big as Disney that nobody saw the problem in thanking that government yeah. for for that. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay, Connor, give me some good news. Oh. Am I getting a vaccine for COVID tomorrow? Well, this is going to be what I title Vaccine Watch 2020. Both my least favorite semi-reoccurring segment and my favorite. Um, so big news this week was that the AstraZeneca vaccine trial was halted after a subject in the UK experienced symptoms of spinal cord inflammation. As of Friday, that trial had been resumed after being cleared by UK officials. So just to say that halting a vaccine trial or any medical trial is normal um, if some, someone develops something outside the normal range of expected results. Um, so in response to Trump hitting, hinting at a vaccine would be available in early November, pharmaceutical officials issued a rare statement promising to follow safety procedures to take precedent over political influence. Um, moving on to the Russian vaccine, Sputnik V. Earlier this month, it appeared to provide an immune response with no serious side effects. However, experts, including Dr. Fauci, said the trial was too small to prove effectiveness and safety. The China National Biotech Group has given two experimental vaccine candidates to hundreds of thousands of people under an emergency use condition approved by Beijing in July. Additionally, the Chinese drug maker Sinovac Biotech said it has inoculated around 3,000 of its employees and their family members, including the firm's chief, chief executive with its experimental vaccine. Um, and then finally, Dr. Fauci testified recently that if a even a vaccine was found to be safe and effective by the end of the year, it wouldn't be until the end of 2021 until life returns to how it used to be with the majority of Americans not being inoculated with a vaccine until mid 2021. So take from that what you will. <laughs> I, was, I was really waiting for you to tell me college students are gonna be the first ones to get the vaccine and they're, they're mm -hmm. going back to campus. Yeah. Um, but that, I, I, there is good news in that. There's good news in that um, American, you know, th thank God for American big pharma. <laughs> mm -hmm. But no, I joke. <laughs> but like, glad, glad that they are taking this seriously and promising to continue being like the independent um, like medical research companies that we need. Um, I like everyone. I'm looking forward to a vaccine. Um, but hopefully, you know, hopefully the Chinese and the Russian vaccines prove to be helpful because that would alleviate the need for you know AstraZeneca or an American company to provide vaccines um, for those regions. Um, well that's yeah that is a mixed bag. Um, Dr. Fauci always humbles us and reminds us that this is not anywhere close to over. Um, yep. So <laughs> I don't um, know what to do with that information. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, just kind of think about that all week. Um, think about what you'll be doing uh, this time next year because it could be exactly what you're doing right now. <laughs> it was also it was also revealed just to dampen everyone's spirits more. Trump's political influence meddling with the covalescent plasma um, testing and those trials it was put through. It turns out they took money from other trials of body cocktails that might be more effective than the plasma. So again, just political influence, sort of disrupting the scientific process and regulation. Yes, I apologize if there's noise in the background. My, my other sister, Savannah, shout out Savannah, um, her dogs are barking. Um, 
Yes, yes, I I agree. Yeah. Also, we didn't talk about it this episode. The big news with Bob Woodward and his new book coming out, um, I just assume everyone saw it, but the president knew back in early spring that the mm -hmm. virus was bad and he downplayed it on purpose. So mm -hmm. once again, do with that information what you will. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, it's time for my favorite segment, news that sounds too dumb to be true. And we already talked about this, but I think that putting Tom Cotton or Ted Cruz on the United States Supreme Court is potentially the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And yeah, that's, that's my news that's too dumb to be true. Um, I got nothing new for you this week, but that's actually the dumbest <laughs> idea possible. These are two men who are in no way qualified other than they went to law school, which is not, that's not, that can't be the only qualification. It just can't be. Um, <laughs> no. So, so yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, okay, Connor, give us, give us your recommendation for the week. I'm excited. Okay. So I had like another recommendation planned out, but last night I watched Avengers Endgame. And let me just say, boy, does it hit different now that there's been a pandemic. Um, I have a selection I'm going to read from the movie. Really, really touched me. So Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Endgame, I don't know who you are, but um, so it's Tony Stark. It's a hologram coming out of his helmet. He's dead. He's talking to his family and his friends. And so he says this, he goes, everybody wants a happy ending, right? But it doesn't always roll that way. Maybe this time, I'm hoping if you play this back, it's in celebration. I hope families are reunited. I hope we get it back and something like a normal version of the planet has been restored. If there ever was such a thing, God, what a world. And you know what? That touched me. That touched me because no, we haven't defeated the coronavirus yet. We haven't had Thanos. Half the population isn't dead. But goodness, do I wish that we had the Avengers right now. Shout out to Disney mm -hmm. for, for creating such a film. Yeah. Um, a, big, a big up and down for Disney in the show today. Yeah. Um, that's, thank, you, thank you for that, Connor. Thank, thank you. It just the whole theme of the movie really hits different. <laughs> now that like a hundred thousand people have died and like our world has been shifted a year ago i didn't think i could relate to the people in the movie but boy like i said it does hit different now that's, that's yes you always surprise me with your recommendations but always so interesting and a good break from the politics of the show um, okay, well, I, I think that's all we have this week. This was a busy show. Um, I, who knows what we'll talk about next week. I'm sure news will break right after we finish recording. Um, but thank you again so much for listening. We hope you enjoy it. Um, give us some feedback. Um, yeah, have a good week.